Okay. Okay, welcome Ella to uh, to this new podcast. Thank you uh, for joining us today. Thank you. And uh, Ella, we met like uh, I think it's uh, well one and a half years ago in uh, Berlin. I think you're where are you located at the moment? Where are you calling in from? I'm calling from Berlin, from Kreuzberg. Kreuzberg, ah, yeah. the nicest part of Berlin, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, we met like uh, one and a half year ago during the social media week. And you actually, well, invited me for the panel in search of serendipity, adding value to the co-working experience. Very uh, interesting tagline, uh, an interesting panel we had. Um, well, first we, we we dive into all that and all the jargon and interesting philosophies behind it, maybe. Uh, can you give uh, us, me, the listeners, a little introduction about uh, who you are, what you do, and maybe also some insights why you do what you do? Yeah, that's a good question. I find it increasingly difficult these days to, <laughs> to really nail down all these activities in one or two sentences. But let me try. Yeah, um, my name is Ela and uh, I have, I've been working as a, a digital strategist, uh, a cultural producer uh, for around 20 years now. And uh, I've always been working as a freelancer in different contexts and um, also in different cities. And uh, uh, I've always had this interest in working with communities, creating space and developing new, let's say, communication platforms. So over the past years, uh, I have been active as a curator for the Transmediale Festival here in Berlin. I helped uh, co-founding uh, Public Art Lab, which is now, um, it's a, it's a Europe-wide network of uh, mm -hmm. art and, and uh, the, cultural the, activities in the public space. The, the festival you just mentioned, the Trans... Uh, the Transmediale Festival. Yeah, yeah, what is it for people the, that... The, the Transmediale Festival is uh, it's a, it's a major festival for art and digital culture run here in Berlin. Mm -hmm. And it has been around since, uh, I guess, also 20 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, for, for me, it was a really, uh, a really interesting moment in my, in my uh, let's say, career because they gave me a really nice opportunity to try out different formats and really play with... Uh, different approaches in community building and opening up this digital sphere to a really wider audience and also to people that normally don't have access to to, to these communication forms. And um, yeah, five years ago, we founded Supermarkt, which uh, actually was a supermarket in, in Wedding, which is a, a bit of a neglected part in Berlin. And me and my partners, uh, Joel Sentimai and David Farin, we decided to convert this space into a shared workspace and into uh, a space for events and community meetings and also a space where um, yeah, innovation of all kinds might happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ran the supermarket after quite a, a long uh, phase of uh, renovation. We ran the supermarket for four years back uh, in, in Wedding. And then we had to move out for various reasons. So the, the lease basically stopped and we had increasing issues with the infrastructure of the space. It was really difficult to heat the space in winter. But of course, the rent was still rising and mm -hmm. um, we ran out of funding, which uh, enabled us for yeah three years to really 
to, to run a very extensive program on digital culture, new ways of work, and um, collaborative economies. So these were the, the cornerstones of our program uh, and still are until, until this day. Um, and now we have moved here to uh, Kreuzberg, to Mehringplatz, mm -hmm. and we have opened a new supermarket, which uh, is smaller than the older one, mm -hmm. but still in its core, it still operates uh, uh, in the same way. Uh, with the difference that um, we don't really have co-working as a business model anymore mm -hmm. in our space, but it's more a form of, I would say, informal co-working. So we share the space with people with whom we work, with whom we um, have a, quite an intense contact for you know projects we are working on, mm -hmm. but we don't put the, the desks out in the market as we used to do mm -hmm. and we have we have a couple of reasons for that as well can you share those a couple of them <laughs> yeah of course well uh remember the panel uh which you have been part of the, mm -hmm. the serendipity panel right mm -hmm. uh i have figured that co-working for us is only or for me let's say if i if i talk personally about it co-working for me is only interesting um If, if, if I have people around me who are really interested in collaboration, that are really interested in uh, those serendipitous moments where, mm -hmm. you know, you meet other people and you, you really create a space where new projects, new ideas are likely to emerge. So uh, I figured that um, in, uh, in most of the commercially run co-working spaces, uh, it's really an issue to to create that situation. And to be honest, is this was also a weak spot at a supermarket mm -hmm. because uh, uh, we have been totally happy with, uh, with all the people who, ran, who rented the desks. But um, actually, there was not so much of a, let's say, of a, of a collaboration taking place. And I figured it was only through the events where people really met, got mm -hmm. in touch, And finally, uh, we're able, you know, to, to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. But over the regular office hours, it was not really likely that, that people would share, I don't know, resources or would enjoy a conversation because everyone was just really busy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I also learned, the, the, you know, the, the, the fact that you have, I don't know, 50 people in the space does not make a community. Yeah. It's all about it's creating. Yeah. It's a number. It's a number. And, you know, you can perfectly go to a co-working space for three years. You can hide out there, get your work done. You can get back home without even really talking um, to mm -hmm. people. And I also figured that, you know, it, it is not really the prime reason for people to join a co-working space in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's something people hope for, but since, uh, you know, you... you You, since you can't really put your finger on what it actually takes to build a network and, you know, to build a collaboration, um, I would say um, it's really vague and people don't really have concrete expectations when they, when they come to a co-working space. Mm -hmm. So what I have learned around supermarket, this combination of, of co-working and events and cafe in itself worked really well. But the co-working was not part of the event space. The co-working was in... In, uh, uh, in, in, in other buildings in the neighborhood. So in that sense, it was as if these two aspects have been um, separated from each other. And, and I really felt the energy through events and I felt the energy 
like in the office spaces and that that was that was uh really a big difference yeah and uh would you would you uh because we met each other on the serendipity panel i mean before we met on skype of course and and we got connected because uh for people that do not really know what i do is that i facilitate uh others to build their communities through effective yeah human centers uh centered process innovation big word but it I think that really nails it down. And what I mean by that is that you, through exercises, through create a dialogue by just check-ins, asking the right questions, uh, dare to be vulnerable and also really, um, well, productive or, you know, it should really be a pragmatic approach, not just in the mm -hmm. shape of it. Um, you get a lot of, yeah, people, interaction, meaningful conversations where through people indeed share knowledge, networks and skills. Um, what I figured, because I'm training people to provide those sessions now, um, well, actually also in Brazil now, it's really hitting off throughout the globe, which is part of my dream. Um, what I realized that it's all about the mindset that people can talk about communities, people can talk about the relevance and, you know, but it's all from the head, the head to head talk. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we know somewhere down deep down it's important because we're social animals that we should connect and it will maybe beat loneliness it will beat uh, stress it will beat uh, unhappiness or or even it will beat your business not being successful because networks are so important and we hear that from all entrepreneurs that are successful mm. however if you If you don't go through the experience of what it takes from you, um, which is an attitude of maybe abundance or believe in the law of attraction or whatever you call it, um, if you're not open for that and you haven't experienced it, that takes a bit. Yeah, uh, you have. You need to be daring to do that. Um, then it's not indeed going anywhere because you cannot write mm -hmm. a protocol for it. You know, you can make mm -hmm. some posters about how you love people to interact. But believe me, I saw all the art of hosting techniques at various hubs throughout the world. And yeah, also during events, that's where the interaction happened, but not really mm -hmm. during the day. Mm -hmm. um, so would you say it's also kind of a mindset of or attitude Um, well, you could call it an entrepreneurial mindset or attitude because entrepreneurs should know how important this is and do mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, and do you think, maybe that's the question underneath, do you think you can really facilitate that for people that maybe are skeptical or maybe just introvert or find it really difficult to connect? Do you think mm -hmm. you can facilitate this kind of culture in, in, in a workspace like a supermarket? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is, uh, uh, that's, it's absolutely possible. And, you know, let me just set one thing straight. I still believe in co-working and we still practice yeah, yeah, yeah. it here. Yeah. So it's not that I'm in, um, you know, disappointed or that's, Yeah, that, 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 I, that I would let go of, of this whole concept. Mm -hmm. what, what I have just figured is uh, you, can't really, uh, you, you can't really look at co-working just from a commercial angle. Yeah. Of course, we haven't done that. But, but since we had such a huge space, uh, it was really important. It was essential for us to keep the infrastructure running, right? Yeah. So in that sense, you have a contract with people and you have to make sure that the internet uh, is, is there and, you know, the cleaning and the coffee and all that, which, 
I mean, this puts yourself in the role of an administrator, an administrator rather than a facilitator. Yeah. And so this is also the reason why we have dropped this idea of co-working as a commercial um, uh, um, uh, approach, because we have figured that, yes, co-working is still essential to our activities. So we have, like every day, there are different people working with us in the space. But then we create the space together in that mm -hmm. day. And it's not that people come with certain expectations. It's not that I feel obliged to, you know, to make sure that, there is enough paper in the printer and stuff, but it's mm -hmm. rather we take care of this together. Together, yeah. And you know, and 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 I think that this is really a very important thing. Um, creating a space does not only mean the facilitation of those serendipitous moments, but it also means really taking care of the space, of its cleaning, of its temperature, mm -hmm. of you know, of of the whole ergonomics of of working whether the table and the chairs are comfortable, whether everyone is happy with, with the environment. Mm -hmm. And what I have learned from our, um, from, from our experience with co-working is, is my personal con conviction that this is a, a shared endeavor and people have to do this in a group. And it also never stops. It's really something that needs to be negotiated almost day by day because you are, we, are, we are not static beings, right? So mm -hmm. we have different needs and... Uh, uh, every day. So th that is the first part of the answer. And the second part about um, your, your question about facilitation. Yes, uh, mm -hmm. I'm absolutely convinced that it is possible to facilitate those processes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a really great facilitation would be a facilitation that would, that would turn the people who, who are part of the training into facilitators themselves so that they are able to you know, to, mm -hmm. to be inspired by your methods, by your approach, and uh, that they can bring this back into their own communities. And, you know, facilitating this being together in a space on a day-by-day -day level on something that is going on constantly. Mm -hmm. So this would, for me, this would be an ideal. Of course, sometimes it's all about facilitation of uh, encounters between strangers and that's mm -hmm. totally fine because that's also what we need to increase our network mm -hmm. sometimes uh, sometimes it's all about facilitation around specific um, projects or around pressing issues that are that are there and sometimes it's all about uh, facilitation of yeah our daily being together in mm -hmm. a space. So there are so many different kinds of facilitation. Yeah. But I think uh, it's not only possible to facilitate, mm -hmm. I also think it's, it's absolutely mandatory to establish reads and methods and, you know, just, just some steps around, uh, around using a space collaboratively. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so interesting what you're saying, and and I I, I really I really uh, in sync with that. Um, I was just thinking, it's kind of you know we really have to unlearn in a sense how things might not do work for this kind of new ways of collaborating or working together. Um, I'm just thinking of of my uh, first and only experience working as an employee for the Ministry of Health, and. Ooh. There, it was really in terms of this is your responsibility and this is not. So, if you if you even have an opinion or or you just share 
you know, constructively uh, how you could maybe improve your workflow or, you know, how you could maybe, you know, the printer could be standing there or whatever. That was often people find I found either to be threatened, I felt. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. I was not the best facilitator at the moment. So maybe I was also the one to blame. I was part of the whole scene, of course. But I felt that, and the and another thing, it was not your business. And another thing is that you got maybe uh, more work and suddenly you were held accountable for things that were not your profile. And then mm-hmm. if that wouldn't go, turn out to be, you know, Uh, Mm and the outcome as it shoots, then you were partially responsible and to blame. So it was kind of, um, well, it was not a culture of fear. It was quite okay. Just uh, the structure didn't fit me as a person. So that was just my my part. Um, But now we're kind of break open the who's responsible for what um, Mm -hmm. realm, so to speak. And what are you as a person? What is your profile? And especially when you're still in a transformation yourself to figure out what you can actually serve the market and serve customers and who are your customers mm-hmm. and all that, that's all pretty vague. Um, mm-hmm. And then suddenly you have to take care of your own workspace, which normally was, you know, the responsibility of cleaners or whoever was into that. So... Yeah, I see a lot of challenges there that it's really asking a lot from, well, maybe less of me because I've never really worked a lot in big organizations like that as an employee. But for people that have been working there for 50 years, maybe, or the older generation or maybe 30 years even, it's it's quite a a mind uh, shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. And uh, I, I like your idea of this unlearning and uh, maybe it doesn't. It doesn't only go for the professional spaces. Maybe it's also uh, when we talk about the public space or the private space, because we have some. We have certain ideas of how space can be used and how space can be shared. And we have these ideas of ownership of space and, you know, of uh, how to maintain a space and all that. And a lot of it is uh, is based on a very hierarchy. Oh my God, help me! Yeah, 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 you know this word. (laughs) We get you. It never gets into my mind. But anyway, uh, a lot of this is is based on 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 the hierarchy. So Mm -hmm. there must be a boss at the top, and he or she is taking care on you know on on the maintenance of the space and and through this role, you are automatically in a position where you can. You, I mean, you, 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 you can, you can create rules, right? Yeah. And I think that uh, we have all been brought up um, uh, obeying to these rules in all the different spaces where you know where we have been educated, where we have lived with our families, where we have uh, met our friends in, in in the outside, in mm-hmm. you know, in, in the public space, in, in in the city. So there are rules for all these spaces. And uh, if you look at uh, the, the world changing so much these days, I think we also have to renegotiate the use of certain spaces because, you know, space is being more and more privatized mm-hmm. uh, and is, is becoming more and more commercial. And that also goes for co-working spaces. And that goes, of course, even more for offices where you have employees because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, employees normally... They, they really don't have the right to suggest a certain color they would like to see <laughs> at all or, or whatever. But then again, it's really a question, why not? 
because maybe it could help them immensely to increase their productivity or their well-being at the, at the workspace. Yeah. So I really think, yeah, un unlearning is a, is a fantastic approach. And I think that all the endeavors um, uh, uh, we, we start in um, creating collaborative space should always aim at increasing the level of self-organization of, of people. Yeah. That they are able, you know, to organize themselves in such a way that they are in a position to yeah. change the space and, you know, to, to, to change um, the energy of a space and to change yeah. its use and all that. Yeah. I really think it's fundamental. Yeah. Yeah, the other day, uh, that's actually triggering me, mm, the other day I had a, I had a training, um, you know, pro uh, training the, the new... Uh, hosted and for practitioners and uh, one of the pr participants said like uh, he or she and there's more people like that they're really pretty skeptical about shared leadership or co-ownership or whatever you call it um, because and he had a point uh, like yeah when everyone gets into the dialogue all the time it takes forever and nobody's taking decisions And um, sometimes you need to also go for something and then test that and validate that decision rather than, you know, go for the best result because there's always perfectionists in there. Um, mm. So in some sense, in a good sense of the word of hierarchy, there should be some decision makers that just after the whole dialogue part will just take that and then make a decision uh on you know shared um shared um input by people by the stakeholders that are of relevance um and then another thing is also important what he or she mentioned and i actually read a book about this lately um is that there should always the stakeholders shouldn't be just random people representing their sector they should also be decision makers in their sector or at least have a say Otherwise, it can never really resonate what you're going to decide upon. Depends on what kind of meeting you have, of course. Um, so how do you see that, the, the whole decision-making part, shared decision-making, co-ownership or shared leadership? Yeah, there should be kind of a framework, I think, to make it really work. Otherwise, it's kind of, you know, just throwing beautiful words at people we should have shared mm -hmm. decision making but also that is expertise on itself to really do that well yeah yeah i can totally see your point and i've also experienced issues with that right mm -hmm. so i think if we can, you, if we can you call out one concrete um experience in terms of that one of the issues yeah i, I mean like uh Like in, in, in community building processes, there is very often this idea that there's either the hierarchy or there's the consent, right? But uh, sometimes, uh, you know, both of, of it just, just don't really work because mm -hmm. sometimes you simply can't put this, you can't solve uh, problems on, a, on, on, on this hierarchy level. Mm -hmm. And sometimes a consent just can't be found because there is none. It's not, it's, it's not possible to really yeah. find a consensus on certain things. So what, what I'm especially interested in is this, is this whole idea of uh, distributed authority mm -hmm. that uh, regards every individual of a group or a community as, as an authority in itself and mm -hmm. as, a, as a human being that is able to take decisions. Mm -hmm. And uh, through that approach, that in itself sort of combines the hierarchy and the consent because... Um, 
it allows you to take a decision like and you can decide on everything that mm -hmm. is of interest to, to, a, to, to your community but you can only do it in a way where you have to make sure that you that you get some consultancy from people who have this experience like for instance if you want yeah. to paint a wall then you have to do two things you have to you have to talk to the person who has done this before in order to get an idea how much paint you need in order to understand you know um for, for how long people can't access the office because uh you just need to paint the wall and then secondly you have to make sure to talk to those people who are directly affected by the decision mm -hmm. we have to look at this wall like eight hours a day <laughs> But once make once, it a window, I would say. <laughs> exactly, that's that's an idea. But but you know, once you have done these two things, once you have you have tapped on the on the export resource in your in your community, mm -hmm. and once you have included those people who are directly affected, then you are, you are you are able to take a decision, right? Mm -hmm. Because because you are able to take an informed decision. This is mm -hmm. a decision that uh, that came about. Uh, through conversation, mm -hmm. and 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 I think uh, we hardly practice that because we are still we, we still have this 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 paradigm is so inherent in our thinking mm -hmm. that you know um, can I open the window or can I do this and that? There are so many things where you where you feel you, you need to you need to have a backer for this and that. You need you you can't take a decision on things, and I think um, the problem is not so much about. Uh, how we we can take decisions. The problem is that we we have such a lack of self organization that we hardly dare to take decisions. You know. Okay, it's the other way around in a sense. I think it's yeah. the other way around. Oh, interesting. Because it's only through decision making that an organization stays fluid, mm -hmm. and you know that, that things are moving on. Yeah. Like if you if you look at uh, if you look at companies or organizations that have been fossilized in a sense because everyone is afraid of taking decisions mm -hmm. or because it takes so long. Decision-making pro processes take like three months. Of course, nothing is moving on. Yeah. And how, how can a community or an, or an organization like that be able to, yeah. you know, to respond to, to anything that is happening out there? Yeah. It, it's, not, it's just not possible. It's so interesting what you're saying, uh, uh, Ela, because it really resonates with you know, my process personally as well, if I can um, make a little bridge here. Um, as I've been working on this whole host transform thing, and I call it nowadays leadership innovation, because leadership, you know, what does it mean? Do you serve leadership or do you take it? And sometimes I feel like, ugh, you know, like everyone is talking about leadership, like there cannot be a leader anymore and we all have to be leaders at the same page. And that takes away you know, the the diversity we have of people and their, the character types of people too, you know, because I feel that there's a lot of people that maybe are a little bit introvert and they wouldn't really show or wouldn't take the, the stage to, to make decisions quickly, you know, rapidly, because it's not their primary need or their expertise maybe even. And then there's people that see opportunities and maybe too fast in a sense want to make decisions or want to make, uh, yeah, want to change things around. And maybe if you take it really to the extreme, like a dimension, I'm the maybe at the, at the extreme part that I love to make change rapidly, make decisions, take people along with me. And maybe sometimes I'm too fast. And, you know, that's my learning curve. Um, 
And when I go back and think about my own childhood, when I, I was living with my stepsister, she was the opposite from me, you know, she was like more a fly on the wall. And I mean, of course, she had her opinion. I love her, you know, like she has a really strong authority, but through another way, you know, I'm more expressive. She did it by a different way. And I have the sense that those two maybe personality types, uh, yeah, maybe they can conflict uh, if they don't respect each other's way of of leadership in a sense of mm -hmm. getting the decision making through mm -hmm. because i would you know go on the stage and collect people and make this whole mm -hmm. dialogue going on but she will just um see it from uh, a pr another perspective she would take her time and read about it maybe and be by herself and talk with some people one-on-one -on -one. Mm. And then maybe slowly she would know what the decision to take. And neither of them are bad or wrong. Mm. It's just a really different approach. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that makes it also interesting that you will still, even though people have their own style of creating that decision-making process for themselves or for other people, um, we still have to re respect that process and... Um, also facilitate that both of them and let mm -hmm. everyone <clears throat> feel comfortable in the process on their own way either being mm. there in a session or being on their own room thinking twice um, but yeah mm. I don't have a concrete answer how just to, how mm. to do that uh, but yeah yeah that's why you, when you said like we are lacking uh, self-organization to take decisions i think it's so true because i often you know jump on the stage to make the whole process run uh, but there's a lot of people that feel a little bit maybe scared or they feel they can damage themselves or their careers or their security to mm -hmm. do that not everyone mm -hmm. is so brave mm -hmm. so how can you make them feel more comfortable that there's not so much at stake if they would just make a mistake, making the wrong decision or something? Well, yeah, I think it's a structural issue, right? So if we are a part of a structure that is, uh, that, that, that is simply prohibitive to self-organization, then, of course, it's a risk to, to decide things on your own. And you simply can't. It would be crazy to do mm -hmm. it. right? So I think uh, this is, first of all, that, that is also a call for organizations to to change into you know in, in into a, a structure that allows for self-organization mm -hmm. but then if we look at communities and and i think you know th this is really our chance it's one thing if, if you talk about our if you talk about the um the, the job situation of an employee and um while there are a lot of companies that are transforming these days there are still lots thousands and thousands of that still stick to traditional structures. Mm -hmm. If we shape a community on our own terms, we have the chance to do things differently. And at least there, like in this, in this, um, in this collective that we have consciously chosen to be part of, mm -hmm. we can really try to, you know, to create those models that we also wish to have in the in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, that, and 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 that's maybe also to to linking it back to co-working. That that should be the the. Uh, uh, the, the goal also of people who run co-working spaces mm -hmm. to be aware of that, that this should be the space where we can unlearn those, all, all those paradigms that we still have in our minds and where yeah. we can try to create those spaces that where everyone wants to take decisions. Right? Yeah. And I'm going to be a little bit advocates devil here because some people say, yeah, but a lot of people and especially some employees 
do not want to self-organize. They just want to execute, do it. And then when they're home, their private life is starting, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and do you think this is like destructive for every organization or those people will have it wrong or have it right or should they change or are they maybe unhappy because they don't feel involved are they mm -hmm. unhappy with their work maybe they're not even uh, acknowledging that now if you would ask them but deep down if mm -hmm. you really go through the why process why do mm -hmm. you do every day what you do <laughs> how is it tapping yeah. into your um Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I know it's a very widespread cliche, and I think it's uh, th th it's actually a, a problem because it it depicts people as you know. Um, okay, I'm 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 very uh, maybe I'm exagger exaggerating here, but it depicts mm -hmm. people as you know sheep that go to work and then they go like sheep. They go back home <laughs> and they have this this private life and this professional life. And, you know, as much as I agree that it, it's important to have your privacy, I'm a total fan of that. But at the same time, I think, hey, you're still the same person, no matter if you're at work. And all your professional decisions should be informed by, by, by your human conscious and by your yeah. experience and by emotions. So yeah. how can you tune that off? It's not possible, right? Yeah. And I, I want to give that one example. That makes people ill, I think. I think it, yeah. it totally disconnects them from their potential. Because, uh, I mean, look at how complex a decision-making process is. You can only take an, an informed decision if you are really, if you have access to all your, let's say, if you have access to your full potential. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I really thought a lot about that when I learned, uh, when, I, when I read this book um, from Frederic Laloux. It's called Reinventing Organizations. Mm -hmm. I want to recommend this book, and I've seen a talk um, by him. Yeah, I saw recently. it too. The French guy, right? Or not? No, he's he's uh, he's uh, he's Belgian. Oh, Belgian. Okay. Yeah, and uh, there is one example in his book. So, so he, he has basically he has looked, I think, into ten or twelve organizations in Europe that have that have really started to transform into, um, let's say models of self-organization mm -hmm. and one of the examples he, he gave was Birdsorg with, mm -hmm. which is uh, an organization in the Netherlands for uh, caretakers mm -hmm. and as, as I, I'm, I, I probably you know much better about it but in the in the previous system mm -hmm. all those all those caretakers they had their list they knew exactly how much time they had to take for you know taking care of uh, elderly people so every step like washing people or feeding them was pressed into a time schedule. So yeah, they also incredible. had to... Yeah. And, and then what Birdsorg... Do you understand my Dutch? Yeah, the, the Broek... Uh, I know the concept. Uh, the uh, Zorg. Okay. Zorg yeah, something Zorg. Yeah, we'll check it yeah, out. Bird, no, it's, it's Birdsorg. Oh, Birdsorg. Birdsorg. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for my Dutch. No I worries. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, definitely. It's, been, it's, it's a huge it's, uh, case study for, for this type of... yeah. And, and I mentioned I mentioned that just to answer your question because, you know, if uh, if if you look at the at the success of Birdsorg, it's all based on on people that take autonomous decisions mm -hmm. when they are at work. Of course, like in previous times, they've had this list and of medication and of you know special treatments, but now with, with this new system, they can decide mm -hmm. day by day whether they whether this person still needs medication. Maybe they rather need uh, a walk outside or, yeah. you know, 
or getting to know their neighbors. Yeah. And so, so, so the, the success of this organization totally proves the theory wrong, that mm-hmm. people are um, happy to go to work, being totally disconnected from everything, and then they go back to privacy where the real life starts. Mm-hmm. The, the success of this organization clearly shows that this is not true. Mm-hmm. People are most happy if they... You know, if they're allowed to still be a human being in their work mm-hmm. and take decisions like from a holistic approach, and they yeah. can only do that if they are invited to, you know, to to fulfill their professional role in in, in that holistic sense. Yeah. yeah, beautifully said. Yeah, and also to see it maybe from a systemic point of view, like what you do uh, will enhance or improve lives of a lot of well elderly in this case and that also lives of families and Mm -hmm. their relationships in their environment so if you can see yourself as creating this wrinkle effect what we also do with host transform but also to really realize that then it's not only work anymore it's actually you know you're tapping into a bigger um contribution uh, you can give to the world exactly leave some legacy you know Mm -hmm. do we want to die and then people say yeah this person did had great skills at work which only Mm -hmm. was really fruitful Mm -hmm. for that company Mm -hmm. i hope people love to and i believe that deep down and if people do not really feel it they may be scared or they don't really know what their potential is but i really feel we all want to unlock the potential of others too or help even if you're maybe shy or introvert, um, mm-hmm. I think if we really feel that we are util and we can contribute, that this is the biggest present for you as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And you know, I and 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 I think it's all about. I mean, knowing about that, it's all about bringing those ideas also into co-working spaces because mm-hmm. I think there are still many many co-working spaces in the world that could still use some of this ideas and knowledge yeah and and try to make sense of it Mm -hmm. because in the same way you know if if i'm a freelancer if i have a shared office i sit at my desk i i I can still be really disconnected from everything even i'm even though i'm working on my own terms it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. i i don't have this boss but i have this I have this this thing in my head that disconnects me, like mm. from from everything around, and uh, bearing that in mind and um, encouraging people to to commonly create that space and to you know enjoying certain facilitation and you know at at some point maybe being a facilitator themselves mm-hmm. would be a great goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do it on their own terms, right? There's various exercises or ways you can do that, of course. Um, and I was wondering, so you mentioned about, you. well, supermarkets made a trans- transformation themselves in terms of revenue model. And can you, what was the shift actually? So the focus is no longer on the co-work spaces anymore. The co-work space is not in the venue itself. It's out outside or... And where where's your money coming from then? Maybe you can give advice of people that's starting their co-work space or something like. Mm-hmm. like. Well, uh, uh, yeah, in our case, the money comes from different projects. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what, what pays the rent. So that's either, you know, we, we run a conference or we do a, a, a com- communication project with a client or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and if we if we work with a group of people and then that money of that project goes into the rent like that it's a little bit that everyone contributes mm -hmm. um and you know it, it's not that someone is buying themselves into the space but of course i'm, I'm really not sure whether this can be like a, a good practice for ev for anyone else mm -hmm. who is going to start a co-working space um, I think there is also there are many options. You can, I mean, you you can just get like five or ten people together mm -hmm. and share the costs, which which also can be nice. So everyone is paying a certain fraction of the overall uh, lease. Um, what what I find difficult is renting a space by yourself, being the only one responsible for this contract, mm -hmm. and then re-renting the space to others which in a way puts you in a position where you just copy your, your, your own landlord. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, it's just something I find awkward and which I found um, financially also not so much sustainable because, uh, of course, it will help you covering the rent, no doubts about it, but don't underestimate the administration. Like if you, if you have 10 people in your space, and uh, you know if if they if they want to have their coffee if if they if they want to print stuff, you really need an infrastructure for mm -hmm. that. And security, even if it's, uh, exactly security yeah. and keys and all that, yeah. I you know we haven't really thought about that in the beginning what it actually means. But then I realize now from retrospect that everything we gained through the yeah the the, the excess money we we might have had from from the uh, individual contributions directly went into administration mm -hmm. and also repairing stuff like if you share a space with so many people you have issues like that you normally don't have mm -hmm. if if you have less people in a space yeah. so all of it is um i mean it's of course everyone can look at things differently this is just a very personal experience yeah, yeah. but i feel more comfortable with the idea of um of the shared responsibility yeah. and also the, you know, yeah. Yeah. And maybe what, what, what just resonates with me, we really, I think we, we talked about communities uh, and organizations and, and also in co-work spaces really around the physical space. But I think as people travel more, um, they're at multiple places at the same time, they do a lot of collaboration on the web, so they don't need a physical space. Um, yeah, maybe co-work spaces um, need also to include some lower threshold for people to access, maybe a few days mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. leave for five years. Right. So community is not about, you know, seeing the same people every day, but also about, yeah, just sharing the same mindset. Like I mm -hmm. can meet people and I feel connection like we met forever. Mm -hmm. I think I, we shared that too. Mm -hmm. That we just had a conversation, we shared our passions and, and, and dreams maybe even. And that mm -hmm. makes us already 10 steps uh, ahead of mm -hmm. maybe other people that just start to work together. Mm -hmm. uh, some mm -hmm. kind of trust, maybe that's the right mm -hmm. word. That's what you need and not so much uh, a whole work history together or... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Sharing true. cultural backgrounds, I think that's also a challenge. Um, mm -hmm. Like... I see during my exercises a lot that people are really, you know, need to adapt to one or the other and sometimes it can take a bit. But my exercises actually accelerates this process. So, you know, we're really used to 
to grow up as indigenous still like hey you be- you do not belong to my tribe you you feel really differently or you appear really differently mm. so this disconnect has a function if you include in mm. my community it's going to be endangered mm-hmm. it's not the survival of the si- fittest that will, uh, will will make my own tribe you know develop you are mm. in danger uh, mm-hmm. you're in danger for me but nowadays i think it's the other way around we have to connect with people that maybe are not of the same tribe because that's where innovation sparks um, the world is getting smaller so we better do it now than waiting for another 10 years look at the mm-hmm. migration um, situation mm-hmm. at the moment yeah um, of course you can be really scared and, and wonder what's going on but on the other hand we need those people, first of all, uh, to put it really pragmatically, because of the aging problem and the problems uh, in work competences and all that. And second of all, this is going to happen more and more. You know, I don't feel yeah. Dutch anymore so much. I feel, mm. I don't know, give mm. it a name, world citizens or whatever. So I actually bring a framework of community. It's kind of a, a third space we share. Maybe I should mm-hmm. uh, explain it like that. If we talk, mm-hmm. we share this third space together, mm-hmm. like a metaphor where we can create things on the spot and um, be connected through the web mm-hmm. or either physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, what helps moving us forward as a person and as a business? Um, mm-hmm. So maybe, yeah, space. It could be in a coffee shop where we work, or mm-hmm. it could be a you know paying a membership fee mm-hmm. i think maybe it's it's also losing its relevance or something i don't know yeah yeah mm-hmm. in a sense mm-hmm. do you do you see this uh do you see this as a yeah like co co-workspaces should inhibit this in their in their maybe models or how can they encourage people to do move around and not own them in the co-work uh, or in the community yeah, yeah that's I, also I a danger now i yeah, see yeah. co-work space is kind of competing you know you have spaces yeah, yeah. you have we work you have i'm like oh yeah, my yeah. god this is like old things all over again yeah, yeah. all right ella so or ella i should say i just learned <laughs> uh, so the the question i posted at the beginning of this uh, conversation why do you do what you do can you can you put a finger on that for yourself or is it is it uh can you answer the question <laughs> it's a really good question and I, I i try i also try to understand right mm-hmm. i think maybe there, there every one of us has this certain call and uh you know this 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 one thing that that just keeps it going and i mm-hmm. i can imagine that in my case i always found it fascinating to to create spaces for people and to enable communication and uh, collaboration. It's really something um, I, I was thinking maybe it has to do with my childhood because where I grew up in um, a tiny village in the south of Germany, it was actually the whole structure I was raised was a very collaborative structure mm-hmm. um, simply because people had to help each other. Um, so, you know, there were a lot of common resources in, in this village um, that people used collectively. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, like historically, it, it grew uh, like that. And then within a very few years, this whole system collapsed because uh, all the elderly people, they died. And none, you know, like the generation of my parents, they didn't want to be farmers again. So mm-hmm. they sold their property 
and uh, they, they went to work, you know, for the automotive industry, which is really strong in south of Germany. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, it, it might have to do with this idea that you can be so much stronger when, when you do things together. It's really, it was one of the universal experiences mm-hmm. I had from my early childhood on. And also this, um, also, what I also learned very early is that the family and, you know, drawing back into your family is such a trap mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really something that I mean don't get me wrong it's so important to have a family and to have people you love and you feel at home mm-hmm. but if you only if, if that's if, if that's the only thing yeah if that's your only community this is a trap mm. and I really like the way we used we used to live together in, in, in that in that context back in this in the old days in this village because mm-hmm. of course everyone had their, their family and their tribe but you were not able to survive without opening yourself to the others. And you know, if you ask me, I think this is something we will face more and more in the coming years. Also people yeah. like from the white middle class in, in the in the big cities will mm-hmm. at some point maybe face that, even mm-hmm. though they are they might not be aware of it right now. And even though right now... Um, Their urgency is not really... Yeah, yeah no, it, doesn't, no that, of, it yeah. doesn't really seem urgent and also not very likely, but it's just something, yeah. So like an I, ecosystem, you say, like a broader mm-hmm. ecosystem that... Uh, yeah. Especially when the resources, the really basic elements of life, resources are getting more scarce... Uh, yeah, th- there's no one you can hire for that, you know, <laughs> because mm. maybe you have to make your own, uh, I don't know, vegetables mm. or grow them uh, to yeah. make it really a tangible example. And mm. um, so just to trigger you, but why do you have so much passion or um, why are you so fond of creating spaces for other people and to help their collaboration? Why is that? Because I strongly believe that it's only it's the only way for me to sustain. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just afraid of uh, um, maybe of isolation and detachment because I know how it feels mm-hmm. and how unproductive it it can be, and um, I, I I don't want that. I'm just fully convinced of mm-hmm. uh, of the yeah of of, of collaboration if mm-hmm. it's if it's if it really works in a in a productive way yeah and not not just as a yeah as a term and i I feel that it's also that but that's really basic what i'm gonna say it's not rocket science but i also feel that you really uh love to help those people to contribute to their lives right the people that you create uh, spaces for and their collaboration you want you really want to contribute to their potential in a sense then yeah, I, I I like that a lot. I also like to, you know, to help uh, to to help uh, people that are at the beginning of their career. Mm-hmm. Is you know because especially women because very often they just don't dare to to step up and find their role. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I for, for me it's just you know maybe it's not so much the help aspect like it's. It's, empowering maybe yeah yeah it's really it's 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 this it's this contributing part i have mm-hmm. received so much help mm-hmm. from various people when i was starting my career and for me it just feels really natural to give to give that back it's, yeah. yeah you yeah. know yeah. i have never really thought about it but it's mm-hmm. like 
it goes by yeah automatically yeah. You, you already you already think and live in abundance kind of sense yeah yeah in a way yeah and um if you call out could call out one project uh, around this topic um that that was really special for you or maybe successful in your way or other ways could you could you call out a project you joined or are there organized um that was really what 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 was really great for you and maybe the reason what made it so special well it's um Apart from supermarket, where we have, where we still have many of, the, of these moments, I would say there is a project I've done uh, now almost ten years ago, and it was called the Mobile Studios. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, yeah, this I've done this project with Public Art Lab and also with with one of uh, my supermarket partners with whom I still collaborate. Um, And it was basically, it was the idea of, of bringing a mobile production laboratory into the public space of several Southeastern European countries. So we've, we've brought this, this, these little, uh, studios and placed them in the public space. It was a European funded project. Mm -hmm. And we invited local curators and people like from cities like, um, uh, um, uh, Sofia or Belgrade, Budapest to, to, To just use that and mm -hmm. to, to use it as a as a way of you know of being creative, and uh, I found it really interesting what 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 came out of it. Of course, it was back in a in a time where there wasn't so much um, creative space available for mm -hmm. uh, in, in in East Europe, and uh, where there wasn't so much support for curators and artists there. But simply the fact that we have been there and that we brought these little studios. And that they have been placed in super prominent spots in the public space, that that really led to so many interesting things I could have never envisioned. And if I look at the photos uh, of this project, and of all the um, you know the, the, the networks that grew out of it, I really think that this was it, this was quite amazing. Wow. I have to say, wow. yeah. And it was just you know the fact that we enabled people to organize themselves and to you know, to act autonomously within their own city. I think that was that was a huge success. Yeah. To feel that they had the space to develop that part of themselves, to really yeah. get the, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. To unlock their own potential again. Yeah. Uh, all right. So very interesting. Uh, I think I would like to ask you like one final question. I think we can talk about all these topics like forever. Um But I'm just wondering if there, you know, I don't, I'm not like a planner. And I think the whole, like yesterday I was speaking with Josephine, my best friend in New York. And I think she brought it really beautifully. I asked her, what, like, what are your dreams? You know, what are you heading for? And she says, yeah, well, just the not planning makes stuff also really interesting. You know, you should maybe have a vision or what you, which process you lo love to tap into. Maybe for you, that's, for example, not co-workspaces to rent out them anymore, but be more in the process with projects that might maybe also fill your potential from administration to more of a facilitator. Uh, well, these kind of things. Um, and yeah, she actually said, like, yeah, I... I I just want to see more of the world. I want to continue doing what I do and what happens along the way. I want to be open for it and really present to, to tap mm -hmm. into that. Um, so if I would ask you, like, 
do you have like a vision for maybe supermarket or yourself as a you know individual where you would be in two years from now or where you love to would yeah where you love to go or head head towards to mm. do you have like a, an idea or a grasp well you know i kind of like the situation we are in now this this state in between and this fluidity and um also this feeling where we don't really know where we're heading towards but we have many conversations with people mm -hmm. and that feels actually really good because I, I i don't have to to nail things down and uh, as you know as the years pass by I, i i feel even less need for having a certain label or strategy yeah, even yeah, though yeah. I, i i work as a strategist quite a lot that's how i earn my money mm -hmm. but uh, like you know for my For, for my uh, personal life, I, I, I just wish that I can, I can continue this journey and, um, you know, just being, being able to respond what comes along the way, that, that would be fantastic. Yeah, nice. And for the listeners, would you have any final things you would like to share or maybe suggestions or tips on a personal level or maybe if they want to start a co-work space or if they are a co-worker themselves? Uh, there might be various people listening or in terms of new leadership or self-organization. Is there anything you would love to, um, would love to share? Well, you know, I think it would be, hmm, of course I have many tips and all that, but I think everyone needs to make their own experience. And, uh, I would just like to encourage people to go for it and check mm -hmm. it for themselves, you know? Yeah. Maybe just being aware of financial risks and not going too deep into that. But um, apart yeah. from that, everything is, uh, is, is, is possible. Go for it, you know, try it out. There's always a way to, to change things or to transform platforms. You don't have to stick to it to the rest of your life. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's so beautifully said. A lot of people are like, oh my God, now I'm committed for the rest of my life to this no, one decision. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can pivot your, your life through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I don't think that's the case. No. Nice. Thank you so much, Ela. And uh, I hope, uh, well, I'll hope to be back in Berlin soon or you either in Amsterdam. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, continue what you're doing. It's beautifully to hear about, uh, about your work through this way. Yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot. Okay, bye-bye. For... Bye-bye. <laughs>